In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. The last is first, and the first is last. And everything is upside down. It's not fair. Some, hired early in the morning, work 12 hours in the hot sun. Others work nine, six, or three hours. And some lucky souls get away with only an hour, probably just spending most of their time cleaning up. It's not fair. Well, not exactly. I mean, the work itself wasn't unfair. It's not unfair that some worked longer than others. That's to be expected. But the pay, now that was downright weird. What kind of a business is going on in this vineyard? Of course, you know that this isn't a parable about how to run a business. Anyone who runs a business like this is a moron. And it won't be long until his strange compensation structure turns into a going-out-of-business sale. Jesus isn't teaching us a seminar on business administration. Nor is Jesus teaching us how government and society should work as a whole as though the fact that some seem more successful than others in this life is some kind of injustice, and that we have to artificially correct this with our own personal notions of equity. No, Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God. It is a parable about a master of a house with a vineyard, It is a parable about Jesus and how he conducts the business of our salvation. They were in the marketplace early, ready to be hired, full of energy for a good day's work. When the landowner offered them a denarius for the day, they trusted that he was fair. They shook hands on the bargain and followed him into his vineyard. Working for this landowner wasn't bad, but he had high standards. He expected them to work in a certain way, and then come sundown, he would pay them as he had agreed. They worked all day in the scorching heat. They toiled under the sun's burning rays from before sunrise to after sunset. They had some right to complain. Seeing that the last ones hired get a full day's wage, the early birds expected that the master had changed the contract in their favor. Except, when they finally do get their pay, they realize it's not as they thought. Clearly, someone had goofed. Um, Excuse me, Mr. Landowner, I think something is wrong here. 
These last worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Is it not proper to do what I choose with what is mine? Or do you give me the stink eye because I am good? Now, that last bit is a bit of a paraphrase. The Greek says, Or is your eye evil because I am good? I didn't cheat you. I gave you what I promised. And I gave them what I didn't promise. So don't go giving me the stink eye because you don't like my generosity. This, dear Christians, is envy. The one who agreed to certain terms for salvation has become envious of the one who seemingly had less work. Do my years and years of being a Christian count for nothing? Am I not afforded a greater honor for all my time of faithfulness? Now, I don't know that any of us feel this way, but the longer you remain a Christian, the more this temptation to envy becomes attractive. The claim against the master is that he is unfair, and they are right. The master isn't fair. He gives out his gifts in a way that is decidedly not fair. Perhaps you know this feeling. You know what it is to have worked hard, even to have worked hard for God, only to have someone else come along and get treated the same as you, or perhaps maybe even get something better. But let's, for a moment, take a look at this another way. I think we can make a case that those who worked all day long had no right to complain. Think about the poor souls who are still in the marketplace at the 11th hour. When asked why they stand around idle all day, hear what they say. Because no one has hired us. Now perhaps they could be lying to cover up the fact that they weren't present in the morning or at noon. But let's take their response charitably. They stand around all day because nobody wants them. They wait and hope for someone to offer them a job, but time and again they are passed over. Fretting and pacing, they worry about how they would tell the wife and kids that they weren't hired again. How would they be able to put supper on the table? Meanwhile, there are those in the vineyard 
They work with the contentment that they will be paid what is right. Their dinner is not in doubt. And they work with the satisfaction that comes only from a day's productive labor. Work is good for us. Now, what convert to Christianity do you suppose wished that his conversion had come later? What man who is saved from certain death wishes the danger had come just a little closer? Or what athlete likes to warm the bench until only the the last second of the game? What soldier prefers to let his brothers fight without him and only join them when the victory is already certain? It is easy to lose sight of the honor of serving in our Lord's vineyard, to to grow bored with the tasks of his kingdom, to think that it might be better to be free from this king. So maybe it's easy for us to think that we're the workers who come early. We're not the earliest ones, but there are, though, there are others who follow us into the vineyard too. Maybe at times we wish we had held out a little longer worked in a little more pleasures of this life first. But there's a problem with that thinking, because right now we don't really know what time it is. St. John, in one of his epistles, warns us that it is the last hour, the eleventh hour in our parable. And Jesus will come at midnight, Jesus is coming soon. So today is the day to repent. Today is the day to join the Lord in his vineyard. And if you have been in the vineyard already, but you have been idle, today is the day to repent, to join the Lord in his work. Now out of the 12-hour day given in our parable, it would seem that by hour 11, the work is basically done. Those who work the last hour aren't there in the heat of the day, and they simply help pick up the tools and bring in the harvest. There is no back-breaking work for them. They simply share in the joy of seeing the harvest gathered. And maybe they get to enjoy some fruit along the way, too. But this, I think, brings us back to the first workers again. Can you imagine working in the vineyard all day and seeing the last group only being in the vineyard for an hour and they don't do any real work? How envious would you be then? But remember that only the first workers agree for a wage. The rest are only promised what is right. A close reading of the text seems to indicate that the master didn't tell them exactly what or how much work they needed to do. It seems that they are rewarded for the work of another. For it was another who did his work beginning at the third hour 
when he was crucified, who bore the sun's scorching, deathly heat until the sixth hour when darkness covered the earth and he did his work. At the ninth hour, he cried out, It is finished, and died for the sins of the world, and the work was done. By the eleventh hour, he is taken down from the cross and laid in the grave. By the eleventh hour, all the work was done. St. John is right. It is the eleventh hour. The work is done. And yet the master is calling for laborers. So that we who have escaped the burning heat of the day receive the full gift of a day's work well done. It's true. His gifts are unfair. Because if Jesus had done what is fair for you, you would not only not receive his blessings, you would receive his wrath. Would you be envious if you considered what you truly deserve? But in his mercy, he gives what is good. He gives what is not fair. Thanks be to God. In the Lord's vineyard, there is no place for envy. And to take note of this, too. The early workers come expecting a wage. For them, it's a business dealing, a transaction. But the other workers seem to be content to receive what the master says is right. So when those workers come to be paid at the end of the day, they find that they aren't really getting a wage, at least not according to what their work deserved. They are being blessed with a gift. And that is both the warning and the blessing of this parable. If you want a wage from Jesus, he will give you a wage. But if you leave the gift giving to him, he will give to you according to his goodness. Your God doesn't play the game of keeping track. He has more forgiveness than you have sin, more mercy than you have shame, more life than you have death. That's why Jesus went to the cross to be overflowing with gifts for you forgiveness and life and salvation. So he calls all his disciples to work in his vineyard, to labor in his kingdom, and trust his goodness to provide for all our needs, knowing that at the end of the day, the good master will take care of all the accounting himself. At the end of the day, at the end of your life, Your reward will not be fair, but it will be generous. Generous beyond what you deserve or imagine. You are not paid what your sins deserve. Instead, all your sins are washed away in Jesus' blood. 
Your sins of envy and jealousy and greed are wiped away. And you are given Jesus' own righteousness and life instead. The last is first, and the first is last. It's not fair. Thanks be to God. For the Lord will take the fruit of the vineyard, the fruit of the cross, and he will pour it into the cup that runs over and declare, This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it and be satisfied. Taste and see, dear Christian, that the Lord is not fair. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In the holy name of Jesus. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.